A dead soldier was stretched with his face hidden in his arm. Farther off, there was a group of four or five corpses keeping mournful company. A hot sun had blazed upon the spot. In this place, the youth felt that he was an invader. This forgotten part of the battleground was owned by the dead men, and he hurried, in the vague apprehension that one of the swollen forms would rise and tell him to be gone. Stephen Crane, The Red Badge of Courage. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Wellhouse Exorcism. I am your hostess with the mostest and the most fabulous person ever, Shanna. And I got a pocket, got a pocket full of sunshine. Who has name? PJ. <laughs> Lovely to see you again. And I'm sitting right across from the bestest, most fabulous hostess ever. Thank you. Across. Across, not next to. Yes. <laughs> and I'm Laura. Welcome back. I'm Ray. Everything they said. <laughs> All of the above. All of the above. Check, check, check. <laughs> well, this is a fantastic episode now that we are well into it. We're going right into our farmhouses, if you will, because when the battle was being waged and when people were fighting, they had to go somewhere to take care of the people who were bleeding and dying. So building off the cash town in and the Farnsworth in, we get to see how the farms and the barns and even like little closets became places to put the dying. Ray, there's no puke or poop this episode. Oh, thank God. Just hauntings. <laughs> Just hauntings and people who are dying and writhing in pain. Mm -hmm. wow. And cool houses. Little, I mean, so yeah. Yes. Historic cool house. What a lovely reprieve for right. last episode. Right. <laughs> And a lot of them you could stay in. Yes. Mm -hmm. They're now inns and lovely. Yes. Or museums. A couple of ghostly apparitions. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's okay. We can handle that. It's fine. That. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we are going to talk about the Dobbin House and the Jenny Wade House and the Shriver House and the Weikert Farm. Fun fact, there are like 10 Weikert Farms because they were families and they bought a whole bunch of farms. So there's one to the north of Little Round Top, one to the east of Little Round Top, one over there, over yonder. <laughs> over yonder. So, <laughs> as I was doing research, I'm like, there's a lot of farms. Which one am I talking about? Across so, the meadow. Across the meadow. <laughs> <laughs> Through the woods. <laughs> Around and about, hippity hoppity. Sound that way. <laughs> if you hit the second crick, you've gone too far. <laughs> so I felt like I took the wrong one because I was like, the Jenny Wade has to be much easier. There's only one Jenny Wade. <laughs> but we're going to start off tonight. Um, do you have anything you want to talk about, Laura? You said you wanted to complain a little bit. Well, just about my car. Is yes. that what you mean? Yes. Oh, Let, it's it's just... Let the listeners know that we were uh, human too. See, I feel like I've complained about it so much. But basically, my car in February, weeks and weeks ago, we spent a little mint on it, getting some things fixed. And then two weeks later, it died on me, which is horrible. Like, just being stranded. And literally, when I call the person for a tow, they're like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm between two fields. One has cows. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. These are my landmarks. There's mm -hmm. woods down yonder. It was a legit description. 
Drive out to where you see the cows. If you hit the woods, you've gone too far. Turn back. <laughs> and so that was three weeks ago, and they still have my car, and they still can't figure out what's wrong with it. So you think it's their fault, right? Because it was, like, fine-ish. When well, you got it fixed in February and now. So it even goes back farther than that. In June, they fixed this part. And then apparently, so then once it died, you know, we had it towed back to the same mechanic. And so, of course, they spend a week looking for everything that could be wrong with it. And then finally, they're like, oh, maybe it's the part we just fixed, you know, six months ago. And then they looked at that and they're like, oh, yeah, that failed. And then they started talking to other Volkswagen specialist. It's a Volkswagen Passat wagon for anybody who's interested. So they're talking to this other specialist guy and he's like, oh yeah, that brand apparently in the last two years has like gone super downhill because they've always gotten parts from them. And now he said that he had four or five of that same part, which is the manatee intake manifold. That, yeah, the manatee manatee folding laundry. That's what I like to say. <laughs> and, and so that apparently this other mechanic who's a, a Volkswagen specialist that he had four or five of them fail within a year. So all under warranty. So yay, it's under warranty. But boo, they've replaced it with a different brand and they can't get it running again. Apparently they've tried to reprogram it three separate times and each time it has failed. I don't know what that means, but. That means they owe you a new car. I've decided. Oh my God. I'm so over this. And then they gave me a loaner a week ago, which was well, not even a week ago, last Friday, and today's Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, so I'm like driving around a loader. I even told my coworker today, I was like, I'm so happy we're a two car household again. I said, Granted, <laughs> one's a loader. And then they called today to say, Oh, we need that back. So they took it back. They took it back. So They're now, like, and the yeah. timing was crap. They were like, um, Is there any way you can get that to us today? Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, it's a good thing I'm not in like Jersey or yeah, right anywhere or anywhere else. Or that else. I don't have plans like I that I need it tomorrow. It's a good thing you'd work Which incidentally, virtually. You did because well, even then, like I'm supposed to be in the office tomorrow and the day after. I had to call my boss and be like, so I can drop Ray off at his work an hour away, come into work, and then go back and pick him up at the end of the day, or I can work remotely. What are you thinking? She said, just stay at home. So she's great. Yeah. What's it like to work from home? Oh, it's wonderful. Shut up. All right. Anyway. <laughs> but I was in today. So there's that. Oh, boy. You poor thing. Yeah. You it's been you. my... It's been a year. And it's oh, only God. March, right? Like, it's been a year. I'm telling you, I we need to find out whatever gypsy we pissed off. We need to fix that situation, and then we need to hide yes. from the rest of 2023. Spring, yes. We spring. never touched that really wooden, freaky doll thing. It's not our fault. Oh, I don't think it's us. Maybe I think we it's need generations of something happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm afraid, like, it's a the parent might have, like, run over a gypsy woman, like, in Eastern <laughs> Europe, yes. and they're like... Oh, that's my fault, then. Oh, no, you guys are... You're Ukrainian, too, right? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Some Lithuanian. Yeah. Right? You can't say yup. Well, I know, not me, but, like, <laughs> I know that you're... He married in. He, he took the last in, name. Yeah, that's what you get. I took the last name, too. We're in this forever, right? I know. Lucky us. We <laughs> form our own support group. We, we should. I know. It's only the two of us, too. Just the two of us. <laughs> that's true. All right. I don't anyway. know if we can make it if we try, we though. We can <laughs> <laughs> Only with bad jokes and sobbing. I know. I know. We should start every support meeting with, like, burning sage. <laughs> Just for effect. I don't know if it really does anything for that. <laughs> just feels good. Like we're doing something. <laughs> we're trying. Oh, All right. I do want to announce. Oh, go ahead. That um, 
at this time, the pretty much the, the same week that this episode airs, we will also be appearing on a crossover episode. <gasps> That's right. With Liminal Unlimited. That is Ooh. correct. Liminal Unlimited asked us to come in and do the historical background to Skinwalker Ranch. Congratulations, Thank guys. Thank you. That's it's exciting. I've already done my research. I'm very excited. Oh. I have pages of notes. Have you nice. done any research? I mean, I remember a lot of it, but I'm going to be researching a whole bunch. Just listen to last podcast and the left, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a, an actual Zoom interview coming up this coming Thursday. So next week, I should say next Thursday. Yeah. So I'll be coming up soon, too, with Kevin Paul, my super best friend oh, now. yeah. Mm-hmm. Very That's exciting. Exciting. And how many listens do we have now for the Wellhouse Exorcism? A lot. I know. It's so lovely. Thank you, <laughs> listeners, for making this the most listened to. We're, yeah. We're I'm, at almost 3,000 downloads. Oh, wow. I, I think we're beyond that now, though. That was back on Sunday. Um, I just want to say that we should rebrand. Instead of being games overboard, we should be games under the Wellhouse Exorcism. Ooh. What do you think, honey? No, you had that opportunity. <laughs> I said early on, I was like, we can change the name. We can we can do all that. Originally, because I thought his would be like way more like, you know. Who knew? To, he gets lots more interviews, though. But in any case, it's, it's very exciting. Different strengths. Different, different strengths. strengths. Wow. Yeah, and you're at 3.07 thousand. Nice. So thank you, my listeners, for being over 3,000 downloads. I very much appreciate it. And I just like rubbing it in my hubby's face every week. I'm pretty sure they all come from Games Overboard. Like, they all come to see our video interviews, and they're like, oh, there's a spooky co- podcast. <laughs> and then they le- they Listen leave me. They leave me to come over to you. Uh, you but just... we appreciate it. We really <laughs> no. do. We're, we're all fun in games. And actually, Liminal Unlimited asked, like, how do we tag the Wellhouse Exorcist? I'm like, you don't. Like, I'm a subsidiary of Games Overboard. Oh, like, listen, my husband and I work together and we, we our website is really cool. Okay, just saying. It's a podcast empire in the making. It is. It is. From our creepy basement. Watch out the <laughs> ringer. We're coming for you. It is not creepy. It's actually done up very, very, very nice. nicely. Thank you. It's very yes. tasteful. I put it's, my work into it. Yes, you did. Mm. <laughs> and you me. Both did. I, I, I had to. I, I saw these curtains. It was all my Pinterest ideas. Those doors wouldn't exist if it wasn't for me. Oh, right. gee, look at the time. Go right, Ray. It Man. might be time for us to I go. Oh, oh, is mean. that is your car ready? <laughs> yeah, you know. Like, Let's get it now. now. Golly, this ended suddenly. <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to become a spirit myself, you know, in the crossfire here. <laughs> but Ray's going to start off tonight. He's going to discuss the Dobbin House since we didn't have time last time. Actually, that'll be Laura. That's true. <gasps> you flipped yes. off. Wade, yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. Gosh. You guys threw me for a loop there. Sorry. Surprise. That's cool. All right. <laughs> Don't so, give the Dobbin house a sock. It'd be a free house then. Have you been waiting like three no, days? No, it just can't be. <laughs> I can see you waiting. He's been that. waiting. He's just not admitting it. All right, our resident rain man, take it away. Okay. So we'll st- I'm start- starting off with a little bit of the history on the Dobbin house, which um, was built by Reverend Alexander Dobbin. He was an educated Irish-born immigrant, and um, he left Ireland and left everything behind with him, except for his wife. He brought the wife, (laughs) (laughs) Isabella, and um, Alexander acquired 300 acres of land in the Gettysburg area. Acquired? It's not really said how. (laughs) I'd like to acquire 400 acres of land. I mean, you know, and he he built the... um, uh, the Dobbin House in 1776. 
So oh, okay. So acquired could just be him literally moving there and saying, "I own this now." Yeah. Which probably is what happened. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also possible that the king was like, "I grant you this swath of land," and because it's mine to give. Right. Although he was known also, the king was known to give the same swath of land to multiple people. Yes. So. Oh, wow. It's yeah. like one of those schemes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, there was a Not whole a story about like all, one of our ancestors and the Pembletons yeah, yeah. who supposedly was supposed to be have been gifted a number of acreage in... Like half of Western PA or something. And, and oh, some of Ohio. Like yeah. it would have been, yeah. And yeah, that he married one of the... American Indian, the like the, the chief's daughter kind of mm-hmm. thing to keep the peace. I mean, it's such a cliche story that you don't actually believe it. But, but apparently, it's still a fun family legend. Apparently, our uncle Russ, or no, um, Rich, sorry, a uh, different uncle, Uncle Rich, um, did the ancestry test, and according to mom, from what she had heard, he did test as one percent Native American. So maybe there's a grain of truth. I don't know. Huh. Yeah. So anyway, a little family history cool. for you. But that is pretty cool. Yeah. So back to Reverend Alexander Dobbin. So um, the Dobbin House is located at 89 Steinware Avenue in Gettysburg, and it is currently the oldest standing structure in town limits. Oh, cool. Which is pretty cool. Wow. And the house is not small, but that's also because his family was. Pretty darn large. The house well, of is course, ginormous. Was that period. <laughs> well, his, he and his wife Isabella, she bore him ten children oh, before nice. her death, and then he got married again to a widow who already had nine of her own. Oh my gosh. That oh. is like that's more. That's way more than the Brady. You Bunch. would require a big house. That's uh-huh. a brood right there. <laughs> <laughs> and more than that, he actually built the house to be more than just a house. He wanted it to be a classical school, and it was the first of its kind to open its doors west of the Susquehanna River. Wow. Hmm. So it taught a combination of liberal arts and theology and apparently quickly earned a reputation. Um, You know, it was very prestigious and that he was known to be a very good educator of its day. And it's partly because of that that's actually why... Um, Adams County was distinguished as a separate entity from York County. Interesting. So, yeah. So it was kind of important for the history of that. See, education is important. Pay teachers more. (laughs) That's your PSA. Yes. So over the years, the house continued to contribute in history, um, including it was a, a stop on the Underground Railroad. In fact, it's possibly the first stop above Maryland. In the Underground Railroad, Mm. which is really cool, above the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. And um, so there's a – there were a few spots that slaves – well, I should say former slaves, if they've escaped, could have been hidden. But there's one in particular where you mentioned, like, a cupboard, and that's basically what it was. There was this, like, tiny little crawl space that was just tucked away. And, uh, yeah, so it is really, really fascinating. Um, uh, during the Gettysburg Address, the residents of the house actually could have stood on the balcony and watched it happen. So that's sort of, to give you an idea of location, it's very central. It's right there. Yes. Very, very important. And then after the Battle of Gettysburg, the house, like many others, as we talked about in the last episode, um, became a hospital where Union and Confederate soldiers were, were treated. Mm-hmm. So... 
Um, <clears throat> so ultimately, now it is both an inn and a restaurant and a gift shop. All of it. Wow. Yes, it does it all. <laughs> it has enough rooms. <laughs> it really does. No, but you don't even understand, like, the size of it. I actually put this on here so i mean it has seven fireplaces it has six different areas just for dining it has fine dining but it also has tavern areas the tavern areas where we've been that's i think more fun it's sort of like a Mm basementy area and like that's part of like the the older more historical yeah it's just a town of 2400 people by the way it's like but for the dining room, so there's the library, which can, fe- can fit 10 to 15 people, the dining room, which can fit 15 to 25 people, the parlor and study, which is 12 to 35 people, the what's called the bedrooms, which is <laughs> the upstairs area, and it's just like a large um, open area that they've created, and they actually have... Um, like canopy beds with tables in them so you can like eat inside of a bed (laughs) which is interesting yes but it's huge you can fit up to 70 people just there what were they planning on doing with this house i know (laughs) they had 20 children pretty much i mean come on and then there's the spinning room which is another six to 14 people and that's just the dining area there's another like there's more bedrooms where people can rent to stay very forward of them to have spin classes back then Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay Cardio. moving on it's important yeah <laughs> oh that's the progressive part right of up. this education you know you get, get your gym in there too yeah. yes it's working not, in the sure. fields doesn't you know it doesn't get your cardio no, up. It's not mm-hmm. obviously just arithmetic Plus and writing music is and so reading. much better in spin class <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of the spooky stuff yeah oh, spooky yeah. stuff so, reportedly, Reverend Alexander Dobbin, I can't just call him, like, Mr. Dobbin. He's like no. Reverend Alexander he's Dobbin, be, yeah, you know? The whole thing. So, but he's apparently still on premises smoking his cigar. People see him around quite a lot. They he see... wasn't doing spin class. No, no, no. <laughs> no spinning. <laughs> um, and people do reportedly see um, the, the runaway slaves quite oh, okay. often, um, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, But I do have a few other stories that that I found here. Um, And so here's one of uh, a woman who took her youngest son, who was 14 at the time, and a friend of his on vacation to Gettysburg, and they ate at the Dobbin house. We got our drinks, and as a joke, he looked at his straw and said, if anyone is here, move my straw. The straw went straight up in the air, and we all left. We thought it was an air bubble. But then it continued to happen for another five minutes. (laughs) I just want my drink. <laughs> Another story. Imagine if you're trying to drink it and the straw keeps moving just away. Keep zipping around. <laughs> you're, I, you're here. Hello. I need a thirsty. Timothy. <laughs> Tim, stop it. Can, can I get a new drink? <laughs> this one's taken. This, this one's straw. defective. <laughs> Something's wrong with its manatee intake. Right? So another story in the restaurant was um, uh, another woman who was in the shop with her family waiting for the table to be ready. Uh, My sister was talking to to me and told me to move over so the boy could get past me. Mm. He was behind me. I moved forward and over a little, as she suggested, and she looked at me and said, where did he go? There was no boy in the store besides my son who was nowhere near us. The boy she saw was wearing blue and was blonde. Aww. But was he wearing period clothing? Because you would notice the period clothing. I mean, but then again, but in that 
restaurant everybody is. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. might not think anything mm-hmm. of so your it. Wait staff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the wait staff is and He's people around town can be. Up, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then there are that's several crazy. other stories of um of people who feeling who feel their hair getting pulled, of their chairs getting pulled while they're seated and mm. eating. Oh, uh-uh. Um and then there's another story of a woman with that says here that she was having lunch at the tavern and my cloth napkin completely disappeared off my lap. It was just gone. It wasn't under the table. It wasn't anywhere. Our waitress says this happens often. Well, you know, there's lots of stories of women they, when they were around the, around the houses, when the soldiers came who were in pain, they would find anything they could to bandage them. Sure. So maybe it's a residual kind of connection to them trying to find any kind of cloth. It's funny you say that because this is the other last bit here. Uh, that ghosts can still be seen, and uh, um, it's talking about soldiers, both Confederate and Union soldiers, uh, some still covered in blood-soaked bandages, Yum. while others are heard their moans of pain echoing throughout the Dobbin house. Just like that. <laughs> Ray and I are just, like, sitting there finishing up our, like, chocolate dessert. Shut up. I'm trying to enjoy my dinner. You turn, you see, like, blood. Oh, no, I'm not hungry anymore. Oh. Yeah, this is really going to affect your Google review from me. <laughs> oh, no tip for you. <laughs> I was going to give you five out of five stars, but the crying wouldn't stop. No, it's a it's a downside for sure. What a downer. Mm-hmm. But now that said, Dobbin House, I have been there before. We've been to the tavern anyway. We haven't been to the fine dining. I don't think. Or the beds where you we can... have not spent the no, night there. No, um, we have done a bed and breakfast in Gettysburg, which was fine, but wasn't. Where was that? I don't that remember. Was... It was totally random and out of the It blue. wasn't in like the center of town. I remember no. that. Anyway, it was, it was years nice. and years ago. I want to say that when... was our best B&B experience. Yeah, that was nice. When we went, it was General Lee's headquarters, but that was just a hotel. Oh, okay. It, it was, was nice, nicer. though. It was yeah. nice. It and was it, nice. Was, it was part museum of the Hilton. Was pretty cool. Yeah, I loved the museum. Yeah. That was just fun. The that guy was, was so trip. smart, too, when he was like, the... he answered every question. It was crazy. They know so much, yeah. these mm-hmm. tour guides. It's incredible. It really, really is incredible. So so that is the Dobbin House in a nutshell. Well, now we got to go add to cart. Once We got to make a whole list of things. <sighs> oh, my gosh. We, we need out. to go to Gettysburg again this summer. Yes. Mm-hmm. I want you to dress up and pretend that you're a tour guide. I don't okay. think people would buy it <laughs> if I did. I'm, oh, if you. <laughs> yes, they'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> you can be a tour guide. Yeah. You could be a tour don't guide. Don't make fun of your race. Jeez. I know. You can be whatever you yeah, want to be, Ray. This is America. Mm-hmm. Okay. Preach. And then just add the word doctor in front of it because you are. There you go. Own it. So anyway, we just we just <laughs> shove you out there to have you like do tours, and we'll take video footage of it just to put on our Facebook. We'll just page. start spouting off facts and be like, "Oh, so this happened and this happened." <laughs> it's kind of like in the office when um uh was it Gabe? It, he happens to look like Abraham Lincoln, so they give him the oh. Abe Lincoln hat, and he's like, "Oh, I, this happens a lot. People just think that I'm Abe Lincoln," but then he really like, gets into the store and he starts acting. This could be you. You could be the Gabe. I mean, I'm willing to try it. We'll see how it goes. There we go. <laughs> All right. Next up is the Jenny Wade House. The Jenny Wade House. All right. So this house is named after Jenny Wade. What? Like, I know. Spoiler <laughs> alert, guys. Wow. Her name was actually Mary Virginia Wade. So what? we derived Jenny, but she actually also went by Jenny, or she was commonly kn- oh, okay. commonly known as Jenny Wade as I know. well. I said to her, right, this is just like with Forrest Gump, you know, where everybody called her Jenny, but she was Jenny. Yeah. And now it's the the reverse. Jenny. Jenny. 
And well, I'm going to call her Jenny. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, I get confused otherwise because yes, when yeah. she was introduced, people said meet Virginia. What? Yeah. Oh, jeez. And then she was like, "Call me Jenny." <laughs> but please, not Jenny. With an N I E at the end. <laughs> no, just an I. No I E, just an I. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yes, it's okay. So anyway, that's who the house was named after, and she was a resident of Gettysburg. Um, she was actually the only. Um, civilian casualty ever hmm. for the get for for Gettysburg, right? Twenty years old, and what happened was, um, she was baking bread in the kitchen. Not actually baking; she was kneading bread. All right, and a stray bullet um, entered the house. Fun fact: actually, this isn't fun at all. But it's on this episode. It, you know, this podcast. They, you know, we say fun. All this the time. wasn't even her house. This is actually her sister's house talk about the worst like, luck talk ever about bad luck. Yes. and the crazy thing is that he was at her sister's house um georgia mcclellan her husband's name was john they actually owned the gettysburg hotel the mcclellan family but anyways um because she didn't feel safe where she was ironic but yeah, another way irony. she was where Tragic she was irony. because she thought she'd be safer there god's yeah. just like it's your time and she's like well i'm not home no no i'm not home it's your time <laughs> i know it's like final destination yeah, yeah poor thing i know i think her name might actually be jenny hayden way yeah there's, that, yeah. <laughs> there's a hayden it's just a, and it's so unfortunate <sighs> she was um supposedly engaged to a gentleman named jack um skelly um, he was captured by the Confederates. Um, he was wounded. And I think it was maybe three weeks later he died from his actual injury. Which was like a week after she died. Yes. A little more, maybe more like nine days. When he passed away, he didn't even know that she had been shot. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm like, well, it's kind of romantic in the sense that maybe they were just destined to be together. They yeah. met up somewhere else, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was just a stray bullet that came in? It was a stray bullet that came in through the door, got her into the sh- shoulder, and then entered her heart. She died on impact. You can still see where the blood was or is when she hit the floor. But oh, yeah, wow. she died on impact. Wow. And you got to think, too, like with all the different sharpshooters, all the the battles happening, to have only one person like there's a civilian die. That's yes. actually pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, and it is, say... but it's just like a head scratching moment. I'm like, you've tried to do everything right. I'm like, how did this happen? <laughs> and didn't you say, Ray, that there were a, like a lot of bullets that hit the building? Mm-hmm. I didn't say that, but there were a lot of building uh, bullets that know, hit the building. Do you remember? The north side of, I believe, um, got the brunt of it. Oh, that makes sense. What was she doing upstairs? Get back down the basement, Jenny. Come on. Yeah, and I think there were, uh, was uh, I think you said over 150 bullets. But I mean, when you think about worse than the Farnsworth. Well, it is. But you think about like 150 bullets there, 135 at the Farnsworth. Like, how is she the only one? I mean, I mean, I'm glad, but it's it's incredible actually that she really was the only civilian casualty. I guess after 150 bullets, like, yeah, it's not getting through. I make my bread now. I'm good to go. (laughs) Well, little did I know. But I'm going through so much of her history and where she comes from, just because I think it's important to take note of it. Yeah. That there is a person behind the Mm -hmm. house, you know, as it were. So, and she came from like a situation that wasn't altogether there. She had a rel- not like 19 kids, but <laughs> a relatively big family. Um, she had it hard. She did um, seamstress work along with her mother. Her father was a tailor. 
her father had his own demons, in a manner of speaking. Um, he had been arrested. He actually was admitted to um, a mental asylum. Oh, wow. Eastern State. Eastern oh, no. State, yeah. <laughs> he, no. he exited? Mm-hmm. For Oh, get this. It was, I was helping Ray a little bit with the research. Eastern State, two years. Solitary in... confinement, Yeah. Well, that actually oh. was common, though, at Eastern State. They wanted you to be in solitary. And it really was. They would just wheel down. They would give you a book. And it was like a little like hole you'd put your stuff through. You were supposed to be alone with your Bible and God. Well, apparently he wasn't alone. It wasn't too long before he started having conversations. That happened a lot, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. With someone. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. A, it's Eastern State. B, you're in solitary confinement <laughs> for God knows how long. Yeah. He made a puppet. Y- <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, humans are social creatures. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sad. It's awful. Mm-hmm. But it really brought shame on the family, and it left, because he was the breadwinner. Yeah, of course. It left the family destitute, so it was really up to her mother, uh, Mrs. Wade. I can't remember her first name. Mary, I mm-hmm. think. Well, that w- are they all Marys? I, I think so. That. I think yeah. it was Mary that's something. The, that time Wade. period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. To really pick up the slack. Hence the seamstress business. Hence the seamstress mm-hmm. business. These, mm. this family was pretty resilient. You know, everybody did whatever they could to pick up the slack. You know, the sons would, um, according to the article, and it sounds terrible, like rent themselves out for work. But like, well, that's, that's kind of did, like yeah. how you, that's yeah. the right way to term it. You so know, you'd go work on a, on the farm, you know, you'd go. Or in this case, like a butcher yeah. or something like that. You'd apprentice run to the butcher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was very common. And actually, it may, got me thinking, when you mentioned the Dobbin house, he remarried. He remarried a widow because if your husband was gone, whether mm-hmm. it was Easter or dead, you couldn't really get a job because it wasn't appropriate, you know, because you right. already had kids. You couldn't be a teacher. You couldn't be a nurse yet either. So you would hope to marry someone like that to protect you. So I'm actually surprised you didn't remarry well, right Ginny's away. Well, Ginny's mom, reading reading between the lines, was a bit of a strong character. I always, <laughs> I kind of thought about, like, mom-mom. My you know, grandmother. Yeah. Yes, yes. Our grandmother, I should say. After a company. certain point, when, like, Mrs. Wade could no longer put up with Mr. Wade's crap... Like I said, he had his own demons. She was actually the one that was, she was the impetus for his being committed. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got to protect your kids, too, you know? Yeah. Well, and there's a story, too, that um, as a tailor, that a customer had come into his shop and had dropped off, like, a frock coat to be altered or whatever. And in the pocket, he found $300, which, I mean... That's a small fortune back <laughs> Yeah, a tidy fortune. And I so, can use that today. <laughs> so he has a choice, you know? Like, you give it back, you've got a good, loyal customer, or you don't. So he hightails it off to, like, D.C. and starts drinking for two days. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I said, yeah. demons. Yeah, so apparently he was in prison a lot, and I think Eastern State was sort of... One of the last yep. stops Jeffords, along yeah. that, yeah, that train oh, ride. Boy. But she was so. a tough broad, Mrs. Wade. Um, the day after her daughter, see, like Laura said, um, her daughter was actually kneading the dough mm-hmm. when she was shot, died on impact. The following day, um, Mrs. Wade, her mother, actually baked 15 loaves. With that bread yeah. that her daughter was needing when she died. She was well, just you don't like, let it go to waste. Uh, no. <laughs> she was just like, you know, morning, morning, okay, back to work. You know, she was yeah. definitely that kind of broad. Um, and then 
almost 20 years later, she actually petitioned the U.S. government for her, for a pension to be paid out as a result of Jenny Jenny Wade's service. Jenny Wade. Oh, yeah, Jenny Wade service. And got it. Like, and got it. Got a, a military pension paid to her civilian daughter who just randomly was shot by a stray bullet. Mm-hmm. Well, because she probably just didn't stop until she got a yes. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I like her so I much. Know. Mm-hmm. I know. I want to learn so much more about her. I have things to learn from this woman. <laughs> Where she's buried, uh, buried um, I'm talking about Jenny Wade, Evergreen Cemetery, Um the flag is actually up 24-7. There are only a few women in history that that's done for. One of them is also Bet- uh, Betsy Ross. Yeah, yeah. makes mm-hmm. sense. Wow. So, And that was also, was that because of her mother or her sister? The, having the flag there. Her sister. Her sister so again, the, the women, women in this family just had character behind them, it would seem. I think you'd had to if you grew up with, like, if you're married to or grew up with a guy like their dad, you'd have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a little bit about what she went through and a little bit about this woman's character. In terms of creepy stuff, a lot of photographs are taken and in the images you'll see something. Um, Usually it's some sort of... Like orb? Yeah, an orb or even kind of like those pictures that we took in Gettysburg where Uh you can kind of like make out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cold spaces Mm. that you can walk, you know. I love those. Not really. (laughs) <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're great they're weird if you've ever experienced weird. one I, it's, I think it's once, weird once i have people have said that they've seen her they've actually seen her Needing walk the through dough. the premises god that don't would, do it that would actually be so weird can you imagine like walking in and all of a sudden you like smell bread mm. i'd be cool with it yeah i'd like I want some. That smells good. Make me hungry. And there was actually a situation where it wasn't Jenny Wade. It was actually her mom. Okay. That makes sense. Mrs. Wade, who um, responded to questions that were posed to her. I don't exactly. Oh, through EVP. Yes. Yes. And some of the things that when they identified her, when able to communicate with her, some of the things that they asked. um, Oh, yeah. It's Mary Ann Wade. Mary Ann. Okay. okay. So all mm-hmm. the Marys. All yep. right. Yeah. Uh, did you feel poor? And she's like, and her response was something along the lines of, oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is bear poop in the woods? <laughs> That's a weird question to ask. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of actually the questions were kind of geared towards her. Her life. Well, her, con- you know, like the personal like economy i guess yeah. as it were huh. somebody else like did you work hard yes you know and all sorts of questions that kind of relate to character yeah you know was being a seamstress hard work she was like yes yeah so can i have harder questions please mm-hmm. <laughs> i feel like i'm just saying she's yes. like yes. it's not like i have anywhere to go but <laughs> <laughs> this is dragging on i know <laughs> i love Next that question. dear lord yes that's great what do you think I I never would have thought to ask that question like if all the questions to ask you know but I guess but it it makes sense I understand why it did form their personality what they've gone through and the lack of money I think anybody who's well I mean anybody that's experienced some sort of financial hardship I think you'd be surprised at how much that can have an effect on oh yeah on who you are and so what you do and what your habits. the house that they were in with the bread and, of course, with yeah. Jenny dying, you said that wasn't their house? That wasn't their house. That was the McClellan's house. And they had gone there for safety, ironically. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Her yes. Si- oh, oh, and her sister, Georgia, 
gave birth. Sorry. Pretty much the same day that the Confederates arrived. Like an hour before the yeah. battle started. Wow. Right? So like when I s- <laughs> I'm telling you. So hey, we very hey, well hey, might be yeah. related to this family. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Right? So stay yeah, in, so stay she, in the basement. She and her mother leave their house on Breckenridge Avenue to go to their sister's house. I mean, partly because the sister's like on the brink of having a baby, but yeah. also because they're like, oh, it's not safe where we are. It'll be safer here. Only to have the sister have the baby, and like a day later, as you're making Boom's bread standing. in the kitchen, yeah. boom. Mm-hmm. See, and that's common thread, though, the idea of like going elsewhere for safety, because yeah. that pops up in my storyline, too. Mine, too. All right. Kyle has his creepy thought for this week, and it is about your conversations about Jeremy, the ghost boy, Ooh. last week. So without further ado, Kyle's creepy thought. I think one of the people. I thought it would be a good idea if we turned Shannon. The the girl. I thought it would be. I think be a good idea if we. I thought I thought it would be. be a good idea. I thought I thought it would be a good idea. Good idea. the girl from Ringu. This is bad. This is really bad. It's Amwija. Every time. It's Amwija. Every time. It's me. So, pardon my dog snoring. They're usually not here when I record these, but. It is what it is. I was thinking about the ghost of Jeremy, who was run down by the carriage in front of the Farnsworth house. Now, I'm not one who believes in child spirits unless they're residual. I just feel like it doesn't make sense that young, innocent children would be left to linger by those on the other side. I feel like there's always something darker afoot. However, this seemingly residual replaying of this child's death made me start to wonder... What if the residual replay of the horrible event is in fact a telepathic manifestation of the father's horror and regret? What if his haunting is born of the sorrow and regret over his perceived failure in protecting his son? He forces himself to watch the tragedy replay over and over and over again wishing he could have made it end differently? What if witnesses are actually observing one man's personal hell? Well, way to be a Debbie Downer. Yeah, I'm super depressed. Because if he dies, like, you're going to go heaven and see your little boy. Unless that's residual, too. Well, I know, I'm just, you know, I agree. Like, if it's all residual, which it sounds like it is, really. Yeah. I mean, whenever you hear of a repeated event happening over and over and over like a broken record like it's usually residual haunt it doesn't think it doesn't react to other people Mm -hmm. it It just just plays you know but like i think that child ghosts can exist so i see it really as just a a residual replay of what happened yeah so like i personally don't agree with kyle on that but i see where he's coming from the idea like you want them to be elsewhere you know like this could it be something darker or in this case, could it be the dad's depression? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's just a residual. I'd be curious as to like why Kyle would think that child ghosts aren't like a thing. Because that they would be taken care of either by um, by God or a collective consciousness or whatever you believe in the afterlife. That they don't have like unfinished business the way adults yeah, they would. Don't. Yeah, they're just kids. See, I don't know. You have an unfinished life, though. I mean, right. yeah, yeah, that's. I don't the... entirely know if I. Now I can understand like. 
I don't know, yeah, a baby sort of situation, you know what yeah, I mean? Right. Kind of by that, but like, yeah, if when you're... you're 12 years old or something, I would have had unfinished business. I'd be like, no, yes, I'm pissed I had off. like an entire <laughs> life I ahead of me. I had plans. <laughs> and if you don't know, you died. You know, like right? if that kid's back was to the carriage or something, True. like, and they're just kind of. They they don't know what's what's if going it happened on. So quickly, he wouldn't even know that he was dead. Exactly. That's why. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was getting at. Well, and you say again, like to add to you, PJ. You guys mentioned that he like talks, right? He says like, "Yes, Daddy," and yes, stuff. Yes. Yeah. But that could also be residual. You could just it could just be a replaying of a memory. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it may not actually be a child on the street. It's just this energy. Yeah. That's just replaying, you know, and it's not actually any spirit there. It's just imprinted energy on the land. So we have to ask him questions like. Did you, were, were you poor? Did you like being poor? <laughs> <laughs> Why no, I didn't. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Do you like Maybe horses? Maybe you can ask me if Not I like anymore. getting run over too. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing also. Now I'm curious. So if this is kind of like the dad's, I'm personal paraphrasing, hell. personal hell or manifestation of his hell, does that mean that that, that, that dad's spirit is still there? And if so, that, that's what maybe, maybe he was getting his at. his unfinished yeah. business is not saving his son. Yeah. Yeah, but then, then why are we seeing it, it on a like? So, so let me ask them. Like the loop is because of the dad. The dad, yeah. Yeah, he's projecting it. Is what Kyle is saying. Okay. Yeah. Do you think at some point it would just stop? Like, but something. How long is purgatory? Like, right? But something. But like some of the residual haunts, the ones that are on a loop, it's not necessarily like a spirit that's. Like, what's the right word? Intelligent. That's re- yeah. That's the opposite. There's residual haunts, it. and then there are intelligent haunts. Okay. So residual haunts are literally like watching a movie. It It's something you can see, but you can't interact with it. You can't change it. It's always the same every time. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't know you're there watching it or anything. It's just energy. Just energy. You know, mm-hmm. where intelligent haunts are people who are stuck on the earth. Who are not a people. Yeah, or not a people. Thing. Things that can communicate and interact with you. That's the difference. And so... Um, I think it's more residual the way it sounds. Yeah. Because you can't go and like, hey, Jeremy, don't run. You can't interact with it. it and usually the, usually the cause of a residual haunt is some kind of traumatic moment. Mm-hmm. That or something you love very much. Like this one woman haunted herself. Oh, wow. um, because as a child, she had this music box that she really, really loved. And she played with it like every day, every day. And then like when she was in her 30s, she got the music back, box back from her mom and she would just hear it playing in the middle of the night okay, or no. or in the middle of the day. And mm-hmm. they're like, it was probably residual energy. Like you imprinted this so much into the box when you were a child that now like there's this residual energy just in the box and every so often this recording will play of you playing with the box. But you just know? in case, call a priest and have it exercised. Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from personal That's a lot experience. to think about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And a lot to wrap my, my head around, especially framing it from a residual versus intelligent mm-hmm. perspective or perspectives yeah. or mm-hmm. way of, I guess, haunting. I just hope it's not, just, I hope it's not the dad. Like, that's just so that's, sad. It is that's sad. That's really sad. Thanks, yeah. Kyle. That's true. Super depressing. I mean, it's believable. It you is. Know, it, it is. Does that suggest, though, I mean, if it is the dad, then that would that falls into the realm of, like, an intelligent hunt, technically, mm-hmm. I, you I know. I could say so, yeah. Or even if it's a residual. It could, yeah. it could be both, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, almost... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, like, I get that it would be unfinished business, but then it's also kind of like, well, it's like a one and done. Like, there's nothing you can do to change it. Like, unfinished business to me is like, 
I've been murdered and I want my murderer to be brought to justice. Like there's something you can do. You can't change what happened. You can feel bad about it. Well, and especially if there's like, if it's so unresolved, like for example, like if the murderer is still like loose or whatever, or got, you know, got away with it somehow, I could definitely buy the whole unfinished business. Or like, could the dad have said, you know, why don't you run out and go get like a dozen eggs from the the farmer's market, maybe he's the reason that Jeremy ran out. Like, if that's the case, again, we're doing supposition. We don't know. Yeah. Right. Maybe he's the cause for Jeremy being outside at all. There are also stories of people with near-death experiences who, now, you always have to take those stories with grains of salt, but where they just say, like, no. Like, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going with you. I'm not ready. Like, I'm right. staying right here, you know? Yeah. And they just simply deny leaving. Yeah. And that could very well be the case here. Right. For either the father or child, uh-huh. theoretically. Well, yeah. it's traumatic, but like a carriage accident like that, it wasn't uncommon, you know? If you were close to a horse and carriage, you, that oh, yeah. was a possibility. Mm-hmm. Just like car accidents, you know, you don't want yeah. them to happen, but they're common. Yeah. yeah. That's why you look both ways. That's right. Mm-hmm. Don't play in the street. That's right. There's my PSA. Don't play in the street, <laughs> <Everyone> listening. <laughs> look both ways. If and you don't do, play in the street. make sure someone yells car. Yes. I like how Laura and Ray are giving the advice to children and we're the parents and we're like, eh, whatever. Yell car. Kids, if you're listening to this, what are you, why? Small children listening to this. Have your parents listen to it and get permission. All right. Well, next up, thank you, Kyle, for that. That was lovely and made us think a lot. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Wrong word. Lovely in that we got to think. It was thought-provoking. Yes. Mm. Can we use the word fun fact and it's not fun? No, so. true, true. Let's get really our adjectives that. confused. We try to make this more lighthearted because people are dying and bleeding and, mm-hmm. you know, and getting their legs chopped off. Making bread. <laughs> the most horrifying thing of all, well. having to cook in the kitchen. Bread takes forever. It does. 15 loaves. No, thank you, honey. A lot of bread. It's a lot, a lot of work. So the next house we have is PJ. So go ahead, take it away, sir. All right. So I'm talking about the Shriver house. And I have a um, a shocking discovery. with A fun one. fact? Yes. I'll get to the fun fact in a moment. So <sighs> first, the history of the house. Okay. George Washington Shriver, born on Dan's birthday, July 27th. Oh, is that the fun fact? No. Oh. I told you I was getting to it. That's just a fun it's fact. One, one of it's many. It's one of the many. <laughs> it's a build up to a funner fact funner funner <laughs> said right to the english teacher <laughs> it's after three o'clock i'm off duty uh so he um uh his father had a liquor business southeast of gettysburg i approve 200 some odd acres and uh also thousands of gallons of liquor Jeepers. in this distillery of his i, I very much approve well 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 <laughs> One year before the Gettysburg Battle, um, he decided to buy some land in town in Gettysburg. Yeah. I wonder if he was regretting that later. By, um, he paid $290 for it, which comes out to about $10,500 in today's money. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So, so it's a steal then. Still it was a steal that now. means Mr. Wade finding that $300. Oh, wow. That was like grand larceny. He really went boozy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I apologize. It was um, a year before the war started, not before the battle. So uh, it was 19 or 1860. It was 19. It was 1960. (laughs) Uh, So he bought the place and um, he, in August of 1861, so a couple months after the war had begun, 
the house was complete, and it was called the Shriver's Saloon and Ten Pin Alley. It was a bowling alley? They had a bowling alley in the backyard. Is that the fun fact? And a saloon in the basement. No, that's not the fun that's fact. That's a funner fact. It's one of many. I never said no. it was a fun fact. It's a shocking no, where's discovery. The, where's the funnest fact? Ooh. It's coming. Okay. So wait, wait. You could booze up and play bowling. Yes. Awesome. Right? Okay. I want to go. I'm, I'm in. I'm yeah. in. Time travel. <laughs> saloon. Let's yes. go. I, I love how he's like, I'm going to make an inn. There's going to be a saloon in the basement and a bowling alley in the backyard. <laughs> People are going to love it. <laughs> Build it's be great. and they will come. Yes. <laughs> this is like the precursors to the amusement park. Actually, yes. it wasn't in those. It was just a house. It was just a saloon I with like a it, house yeah. on top. Nice. Yeah. So, anyways, the war comes and, you know, the battle begins. And I'm willing to put that bet that put a damper on bowling. Yeah. 9 a.m. Uh, July 1st. Um, Hetty Shriver, uh, mother of two children, uh, hears the cannon fire beginning and everything, and she's like, you know what, I'm going to my parents' house where it's safer. So she goes southeast of town, in between Little Round Top and Big Round Top. Over here. To a farm. To a farm. Over here. And We're connected to me. <laughs> the Weikert farm. One of many Weikert farms. And what a mistake that was, because then for the next three days, they had to shout to each other side by side to hear each other, because the <laughs> cannon fire was so loud. Oh, and take care of bleeding people. So, All in a day's work. Oh, yeah, right. When she returns... I'll take the bread for 300, Alex. <laughs> when she returns... So I'm taking this right off shriverhouse.org, by the way. Uh, so I want to read this part here. Was that your funnest fact, by the way? No. Oh, man. More to come. It's not fun. I'm telling you. So we got three fun facts. Now we're going to get the shocking fact. Yes. Which apparently is a letdown. All right. So uh, here's a quote from the uh, website here. On the morning of July 7th, Hedy decided to return to her home in town. What she and the girls saw along the way would be etched into their minds forever. More than 7,000 soldiers and 5,000 horses and mules. Thank you. (laughs) Were killed during the battle. They walked by and stepped over rifles, swords, canteens, belts, broken wagons, shattered caissons, ammunition, cartridge boxes, blankets, shoes, and knapsacks. Shoes? What? Like, you what, do you want to take those with you? Like, oh, boy. They saw buildings which were destroyed, bloody scraps of uniforms, and body parts as well. Mm-hmm. The wells were contaminated, and there was barely a crumb of food left in the entire town. Confusion was everywhere. Uh, she found that, like her parents' farmhouse, her home and the Ten Pin Alley were being used as a hospital. Confederate soldiers had occupied her home while she was gone. In addition to the items that they had confiscated to build a barricade in the street in front of the home, soldiers helped themselves to all the food found in the Shriver's kitchens. Unripened fruits and vegetables in the garden, since it was early in the growing season, supplies, clothing, blankets, linens, curtains, tools, and any booty they spied, such as money, silver, and liquor. Not the liquor. Yeah. Oh, man. There's a lot of that on hand. And uh, if you go there, they have, like, recreated the house as close... To the saloon. To, no, yeah, as close as possible. Like, everything is from the mid-1800s. Same wow. with Dobbin House. Um, mm. And they, they, like, completely, like, wrecked the main living room. Like, little bloody rags are all over mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um, so they have it like that. So when you go there, you can actually see 
how you know horrible it would have been to like return home. Wow. Uh, yeah. So the family who owns it now, they bought the place in 1996, and their last name, I apologize if I say this wrong, is the Gudmestads. Ooh, yeah. that's a great name. It sounds right? Like a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Dutch. So when they bought it, they had no idea about who owned the house prior or anything like that. Man, the 90s were a different time. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're moving to Gettysburg. Are you really not going to investigate your historical house well, before no, you buy it? That's the thing. No one knew. No one had any idea. They asked the neighbors and everything. Had somebody knew. And they knew it was the Shriver house, but that was about it. Wow. They didn't well, know. They had to piece everything together. It was pre-internet, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, what? but they found a lot of crazy things when they renovated. Oh, no. As they were, um, like, the, for, for instance, the main thing about the house was the Confederates used it as a sniper's nest. So the attic, um, they poked bricks out so they could aim their rifle out, like, through the wall and, uh, and shoot out that way. Um, there are bloodstains in the attic where two of them were shot down, but there's a sniper's nest up there. Under the floorboards there, they found lots of, um, mini balls. Some of them still had the gunpowder cartridges attached to them. Wow. Yeah. A lot of spent cartridges on the, under the floorboards as well. I think it was over 50 of them, they said. So lots of cartridges. Uh, but as they were renovating one of the walls, they had to, like, knock it out completely because it was just awful. Horse hair plaster, probably. The house oh, sat for 30 years abandoned. By the time they got it. Oh, wow. Yeah, no so they the had a they had a lot of work to do on this house. Wow. Uh, when they knocked out this one wall because it was, like, horrible, they found a small child's shoe in the wall. Ooh. Because it's a sign of good luck, and you, you would put a shoe in the wall um, to give good luck to all future residents of the house. I never heard of that. I know, right? Did they <laughs> leave the shoe there? And let me tell you, so much better than a small child. Yes, I yes. was. <laughs> Yet Is another... that the shocking thing? Because I'm a little concerned that's the shocking yes. thing. Yet no. another fun fact. Uh, they, <laughs> they also found like, all preference. kinds of... Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Also in the walls, they found all kinds of old toys um, and... Just little knickknacks and things like that, and they have it all on display in the basement well, actually in the old saloon. Common. Like when you would hear like people were coming, whether it was from the Revolution or from the Civil War, you would hide your stuff in the walls, especially from Native Americans back when that was happening, because you didn't want them to get your guns. So mm. I would be interested to knock down the walls in our house if we could afford it and see what we find, because I'm sure there is stuff hidden in these walls because of it being so close to all the different massacres. So that's actually pretty common. Yeah. So it's it's okay for me to like when people come over to like just stuff everything into a closet that this you know it's like <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> it's <laughs> but here on their website there are some of the things that they found there's oh, like a pair of glasses there's the shoe on the bottom left there things like that interesting oh, yeah. should have so just had is... a yard sale so their main thing in this museum is they wanted to showcase what it felt like to be a civilian in this house like when you go there. That's all they talk about is the civilian aspect of it all, which is really neat. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because I feel like this entire episode is focused on the civilians, not so much the soldiers. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. What's the it like impact. to go upstairs to make some bread? Ow. Right? <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> so what's uh, the shocking? So the shocking thing, zero ghosts. What? This is a ghost-free Ooh. house. It's what? because of that shoe. Yeah. 
That is a lot. And down. the mm-hmm. and like if you Google like haunted places in Gettysburg, Shriver House is there on every yeah, list. It is. Nope, no ghosts. They will not talk about ghosts in any of their tours or museums. They have never had. They've been okay. there since ninety six. They've never had an incident. So hang on, hang on. They don't talk about it, they or it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Hmm. And also, uh, hmm. the Mason Dixon Paranormal Society went and did like an overnight investigation. They're like, yeah, there's nothing here. Like, there's just, there's just nothing in this place. See, because if I were a ghost, I'd be all up there playing bowling and getting right. Some be the party place to yeah, be. there's a place to hang around forever. That's, but <laughs> you know what, though, I have to wonder if it was because if it was abandoned for thirty years, and if there's no one paying attention <laughs> to you, just bored. <laughs> you just went somewhere else. I wonder. The hospital, like you, you would assume that they were having amputations and like some horrible things happening. And if there's a sniper sense, you would assume there'd be some kind of residual yeah. haunt from the two snipers who were killed in the attic. Yeah. But nothing. Nothing. Interesting. Fascinating. Fascinating. I am fascinated. <laughs> that is quite. That is not the funnest thing, but it is interesting. Yeah. I will tell you, that is a shocking kind of thing. See. Yes, and a letdown. You were yes. correct. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd still want to tour it. Yeah. I'd yeah. still want oh, to yeah. see what it's oh, all yeah, about. Really. Yeah. Well, I feel like just going in and seeing what the civilians saw after the battle was over, I think that's horrifying enough. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we can talk about them walking, as you read, like walking over guns and, you know, people lying on the ground and dead horses and mules. And, and like we said yesterday, they they mentioned that there's they walked past a pile of limbs that was mm. higher than the fences. Yeah. Mm. Ugh. So like I thought we were have... over this. <laughs> um, I have my own thing to do. And this is so. six no, days not... after oh. the b- battle began. So. It's going to be ripe. Smell that fresh feet. country air. <laughs> Plus their feet already. I know. <laughs> oh. Well, there are stories about how, like, again, this is for the battle episode, but after just a couple of hours of battle in the field, it was so hot that the bodies were already bloated. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, because it was like 100 degrees and, mm-hmm. you know, all three days of the battle. It was... Very, very hot. And they're in wool uniforms. I Yum. mean, I, I can't imagine. It. Carrying 50 to 100 it's pounds a year. It's hot and smelly. Yeah. I got the memo. I mean, we can go into <laughs> And they've been detail. marching for days, I too. Yeah. And... I mean, it's not like they're taking regular Last episode, Ray's like, they had to smell bad anyway. And, yeah. Then. Yeah. and then. We'll skip that But I'm him. really, I don't know, this sort of stuff. I mean, I'm just a big fan of personal hygiene. So when I think, <laughs> when I hear about things that run kind of counter to that, it kind of gives me the... Heebie-jeebies. I teach eighth graders, so so it doesn't phase you. No, they're learning that daily showers are important. So let me tell you about the Weikert Farm. One of many um, squared. <laughs> There's so many. Um, so when I was doing my research, I typed in Weikert Farm hauntings, you know, Weikert Farm, and, and then after a couple of days of reading over my articles, I'm like, wait a second, this one says George, this one says Jacob, what's going on here? <laughs> and I realized that there's different locations. So literally, there are multiple Weikert Farms. One has been renamed the Timber Farms. The George Weikert Farm is actually owned by the National Park Service, but the Jacob Weikert Farm is not. Um, so again, there's multiple ones. So the George Weikert Farm is actually, you mentioned, near Little Round Top. Mm-hmm. They thought it'd be safer if people ran away to there. So multiple people went to different Weikert Farms. Well, that's unfortunate. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> then what can you do? So um, this farm, is. it says here, like I'm reading from the Gettysburg Farms and Buildings. The George Weikert Farm is at the corner of where United States Avenue, Sedgwick Avenue, and Hancock Avenue come together. 
It is one of several Weikert farms in the area at the time of the battle, with three belonging to George's sons and another to a distant cousin. So again, a heckin' lot of them, okay? So this farm is 78 acres, and it's north of Little Round Top, okay? Then there's Jacob, which one is the east, okay? So this one's smaller than Jacob's. Jacob's is pretty big. But anyway, it says George and his family left the farm during the fighting, because again, a lot of them ran away, right? Afterwards, they returned to scenes of desolation mm. and disgust and dismay. So it says, the house was a field hospital with wounded filling the parlor and amputated arms and legs piled outside the windows, plural, right? Mm. Mm. Yum. According to family history, six men died just in the parlor and the yard was filled with graves. When the buried were exhumed to be placed in the National Cemetery, the missing parlor rug was found, cut into strips as the top and bottom layers of the burial trench. So, you know, take out your rug, chop it. There's our makeshift, you know, I don't know. Box. I don't know to be call fair, it. it was probably saturated with blood anyway. Yeah, you didn't want it. <laughs> so, We're not going to get that out. Yeah. No oxyclean is going to get that no. out. No. <laughs> Baking soda and peroxide. I don't yeah. Think so. <laughs> Nothing. Um, so, of course, when they get home, everything's been destroyed. You know, they are, their food is all gone. Um, there are stories, of course, of the wells in the area going dry, the creeks running dry too. Um, but they did try to help as much as they could because, you know, you can't let your dying man there to die. They did help out as much as possible. And they were very happy to have the um, soldiers exhumed and taken off their front lawn. (laughs) Obviously, you don't want that there forever. So the New Jersey Brigade actually bought the farm to preserve it because that's where a lot of their um, their their brigade was during the, the fighting. And now it's owned by the National Park Service. So that one is one farm. Now, it is haunted. Okay, not to be confused with the Jacob Weikert farm or the other 5 million Weikert farms. So in the George Weikert house, um, there is a second story door that refuses to stay closed. No matter what you do to close it, she opens up again. Um, One ranger, one park ranger went so far as to nail the door shut with a small wire nail, but it refused to stay closed. So I find that fascinating. That's so cool. Yes. Like in our basement, keep the door closed. <laughs> keep the door closed. <laughs> keep door closed. <laughs> the ghosts are like, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the sounds of footsteps pacing back and forth, generally in the attic. And it sounds like someone's pacing, like they got some bad news. They're waiting for bad news. Um, they also have said that they have found people just kind of sitting up on their beds. Like there's like a ghostly apparition that kind of sits on their beds. So, yes, yeah, so the George Weikert farm is interesting. But that's all there really is for it. Like, cause they ran away. They came back to a scene yeah. afterward. So I want to go then to the Jacob Weikert farm because this one is cool. This is the one that PJ referenced because the Shrivers. Okay. And this is where Tilly pops up Matilda Pierce and there's the Tilly Pierce in, um, which I'm kind of kind of reference really quickly too. Um, just because it all goes, because again, they ran away to here. Mm-hmm. Kidding. We have cannon fire happening. I have to shout to talk to you. Right. So in any case, the Jacob Weikert farm on the Taney town road is east of little round top. And it hosted over 700 wounded and dying soldiers in their barn and house. Cause there's the house and the barn. That's a lot. Yes. Lot, oh, there was lots of spaces they put people. Fun fact. Oof. Yes. 700. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact. That's gener- almost the population of our town. By the I way. know. Yeah. <laughs> All hanging a out. A lot of people. General Stephen Weed died in the house. 
So he was brought there. Um, and the bodies of artillery Lieutenant Charles Hazlitt and the 140th New York Colonel Patrick O'Rourke were also brought there and laid on the front porch. So they had a lot of major people on their front porch. And it's a beautiful house. You can see here's the porch. Oh, Very nice. Wow. Yes. Our listeners can't see it, but just type in Jacob Weikert Farm. I can live there. And here's the back side of the barn. Okay. Again, mm-hmm. our listeners can't see it, but there's the front side. So that barn was pretty big, and it still yeah. is there today. It could host a lot of people there to help them. So in any case, you did have um, people coming there to stay for safety. And so I'm going to focus on Tilly, not anybody else. She was 15 years old. Okay. And she was sent out of town to go stay there for safety. She gets there. The next morning she wakes up and um, they're already rolling into town to fight because the battle was coming close. Right. So they were told to get the heck out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. She gets there the next morning. They're eating breakfast and then bam, they are right there ready to fight. Um, So anyway, the Weikert barn, although it was officially a hospital for the fifth corpse, it also took care of the first, second, third and 11 corps as well. So a lot of people were in there. I guess that's 700 different people. Uh, But to quote uh, Tilly in her book, because she actually wrote a book about this later. She said, there were the groaning and crying, the struggling and dying, crowded side by side while attendants sought to aid and relieve them as best they could. So she walks into the barn and she just sees lots of people laying there. I mean, in like sardines and she tries to help them out. She also mentioned that the orchard um, was also kind of like full of people who were dying. So she said in her book, the orchard and space around the buildings were covered with the shattered and dying and the barn became more and more crowded. The scene had become terrible beyond description. So again, not just the house, not just the barn, but every space they could possibly get, which is insane. So then the south side of the house where the porch was, it was covered by a large sheet. And again, the bodies of uh, Weed and Hazlitt and O'Rourke were put there. And then a pile of limbs higher than the fence, as you had mentioned, they had seen when they were walking. Mm-hmm. That's where you saw the pile of limbs higher than the fence. That was actually at the Jacob Weikert farm. So that's the Jacob Weikert farm, like in general. But then I want to kind of go into the uh, complaints, too, that it happened. Um, so I do want to say... That when they returned, no, because it's just a fun, fu- uh, not like a fun fact, but on a side note, the battle got so crazy that they were asked to leave um, the house on July third because the cannon fire and the bullets were getting too close. They came back later in the day and they said they quote needed to pick our steps in order that we might not tread on the prostrate bodies because it was at that point where every space on their farm was being used and the field on the other side of their um, house there are a hundred bodies buried there and in 1864 they were still there they were exhumed later wow. of course to put into um the national cemetery, but there were just dead bodies all around this farm. So try to do farm work and take care of family when that happens. Mm, distracting. Yes. Yeah, you, know, you bring up a good point though, too, because this is July. Like, like crops should be growing. Yep. Like this is part yeah. of their livelihood. I didn't mm-hmm. even really think about well, the wheat that. field was ruined. Yeah. Like, almost all the food the, they the had. The peach was, orchard. Yeah. Everything was taken from them because they ate anything they could. As you mentioned, was it peach yeah. you had read? Yeah. That like all the food was stripped. So you go from having a what you think is going to be a great year to now you can't even can anything for the winter. Right. So mm. it's a really bad time. Wowzers. 
Yes. That's so sad. But I want to give you, because again, like a shocking discovery. Um, <laughs> History.net actually has an interesting side discussion about the Jacob Weikert farm and complaints from the uh, generals about the place. The establishment was that, terrible. Mm, that Management. Jacob wasn't loving enough to his fellow soldiers, right? They wasn't taking care of them enough. So again, my one record said 700 soldiers. Another says upwards of almost 1,000, 950 people were there, okay? Mm. So depending on what you're reading, that was going on there. Now, again, this is where um, Hetty and George Shri uh, Shriver did go to stay for safety, okay? So that's just a, a side note there. But I want to go forward in this article. We'll go back um, to their stuff in a little bit. But there is a complaint that was lodged about this place, and it was from Lieutenant Zeba Graham of the 16th Michigan. He claimed that on July 3rd, he saw some unattended wounded Confederates near the Weikert farm complaining of thirst, who told him that the homeowner had removed the well pump crank. And so to actually quote from his writings, Graham said, I went into the house, found this man, a mean Dutchman, and his family buried in the bowels of the cellar. They have been taken safe refuge from the hail of iron, which was bursting in every direction. I ordered him to give up the well crank. He at first refused. Just at that time, a shell struck his chimney, and the noise and rattle of the falling brick nearly frightened him to death. I threatened to shoot him if he did not give me that crank. This brought it out of its hiding place back of the stairway. I went out, watered the boys, put two of the least wounded in charge of it, and then left, receiving thanks to all. So there is a side story that Jacob removed his well, his his crank so that way no one can get water. But that's actually not true because Tilly talks about how when she first gets to the farm, people are, well, within like a couple hours, they're all there and they're in pain. So she grabs buckets and she runs down to the spring that's there and she's bringing buckets of water constantly for all these dying men until the stream runs dry. And then Jacob's like, pump from the house, pump from the well. It'll run out because it runs out every July, but pump until there's no more left. So according to her, there was no water because it had already run dry. Like they had, they had did everything they possibly could. So it's just interesting that the Confederate side like complained about the idea of like them not giving them any water. But the truth is they were trying as hard as they, as they could. Tilly tells stories of how she became basically a nurse. She was helping with the amputations. She was there doing everything she could. So I do want to kind of mention, because she's just such a cool figure, I do want to mention that. It says, once the surgeons arrived in the second at the farm, workers ransacked the property looking for operating tables and cloth uses dressings. The Weikerts prepared bread and soup in their basement kitchen during the day, feeding the medical staff and wounded men until late in the evening. And so then on July 3rd, their hospital was relocated farther east, but everyone who was sick to move, they stayed there. And so, again, they were there in the carriage house, the barn, in the fields, in the orchards, and they were trying to get everything they possibly could to feed them and take care of them, uh, cover their wounds and whatnot. But at that point, all the furniture, the kitchenware, everything had been smashed. The walls and floors were bloodstained, and the crops and all their fences had been destroyed. So even with all that destruction, they were still getting water and helping these people. So I'm not sure if I want to believe this grand fella because Jacob and his family and Tilly went out of their way to help as much as possible. Just want to say. Um, but in any case, Tilly's account says that the Weikerts had been more than generous with the water and the spring was actually drained dry by thirsty soldiers. Um, so that I just find that interesting. But what's the really sad controversy? So not only is there controversy about the the, the crank, all right? But here is just, again, that, that 
viewpoint of what happened to the the people who weren't fighting, right? The, these just random, these random civilians. Um, so Weikert, he actually filed three claims with the War Department for damages because, again, everything was destroyed. So one was for $186, one was for $1,277, the other one was $2,756 because of everything that happened. His house, his carriage house, the damages to the bedding in the house, wow. the use of his hay, wheat, oats, corn, rails, and timber, and also damaged the landstone walls, clothing, and furniture because everything was destroyed. Yeah. In the end, guess how much he got paid compensation? Nothing. Oh, he got money. Ten bucks. Oh, no, $45. Wow. For all the claims he put in for the it. destruction of everything, he got $45. Meanwhile, Jenny Wade's mother got a pension. I yeah. know. <laughs> for one random bullet. Yes. This guy's Which is, again, I think that woman, there's something about that woman. She's a lot stronger yeah, than the pages. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Demonstrate, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, she, again, she wrote the book Tilly Pierce since she was there. Now Tilly stands for, for Matilda. Um, but her book is called At Gettysburg or What a Girl Saw and Heard of the Battle, A True Narrative. It's fascinating. Like, I have this whole article. Actually, it's from the Civil War Ghosts again, posted by a blogger from there. Um, but I just wanted to kind of mention, it's like Tilly took all of the ghosts from the Jacob Weikerd farm and took them to the inn because there are things that happen at the Jacob Weikert house. Of course, the usual things you can imagine, but you can't find it much online because it's like they all went with her. <laughs> even <laughs> though she wasn't even in the house, she'd gone up to little round top for safety. Um, so I just think that's kind of funny, but the house is haunted. So if you um, go to the house, the most haunted room is the blue room and it's inhabited by soldiers who were once treated by Tilly their footsteps can be heard marching through the halls and in the attic above. And actually, there's a, a scene of patrolling troops that are witnessed by the guests outside. Because there's a story from Tilly early in her book where she's still at her house. And they see the Union soldiers walking through and they're amazed because they look good. They got their plumes going. Mm, you know, because again, <laughs> there's that romantic side of war still. So all of her and her girls, they go out and they actually sing songs to the boys as they're walking along. But that scene now replays where they actually see the troops marching oh, through. Wow. So similar to the whole Jeremy thing where it's outside. But they also see ghosts sitting on the edge of their beds, for example, too. Um, no uh, stuff being packed up for you to leave, which I guess is nice, unlike last week. <laughs> but um, they do see ghostly children. They've been encountered playing within the bed and breakfast. And then they vanish before the guests' eyes. So kids playing then, poof, gone, which matches some of your guys' stories. But there is a poltergeist. And you'll appreciate this poltergeist. All of us will. It's a cat. Yes. What? <laughs> it's a poltergeist cat. Oh, my cat. God. just goes around knocking oh, mugs oh, off oh, of yeah. tables. And it, it's seen scampering about, and it just, yeah, That not, is awesome. This is my yes. favorite poltergeist ever. Yeah, in no way malevolent, but if it sees the cup, smacks her back, yeah. So a poltergeist <laughs> cat. So, again, I just thought that was kind of a fun ending to all of our sadness, right? So we have the George Weikert farm, which definitely is haunted. Jacob Weikert's is too. It's privately owned. Of course, it's not owned by the Park Service. Um, but what's interesting about that is again, all the ghosts went with Tilly back to her house, it seems. Because they have way more cool stuff that happens That kind of makes sense, So If she was caring for them, bring them water, yeah. you'd, keep, you'd stick with her. And that's why I hold that that Graham guy lying. All right. Yeah. I'm just stuck on this cat. <laughs> I just want to get like a ball of yarn and see what it does. <laughs> oh, it's like. I um... want to name it Tabitha. <laughs> oh. Wow. Boy. 
No, okay, so yesterday I was listening to the last week's episode, right? And I missed a perfect opportunity. When you're talking about the carts full of limbs, they must have cost an arm and a leg. Oh, oh, boy. You really did miss one, didn't you? Don't you dare play that. I saw you reaching for that button. It's too late. No badoom ching for you. Oh, boy. So with that being said, our the end of our episode, as always, is it haunted or is it not? Do you think these places, apart from PJs, are haunted or not? And I think why? the Shriver house is haunted. It's a cover-up. It's a cover-up. It's the only haunted one. They're just not admitting to it. Um, Everything else is a distraction from the real haunted place. But, oh, yeah. I mean, I think the entire town is just, oh, yeah. yeah. Whether it's Saturated. residual or it's, yes. you know, you know, intelligent. I I think it's haunted. And I think I think these ghosts came with Tilly. I think she brought them home. Oh, yeah. But Jenny the cat. house is haunted. The cat. Yes. I want to, if I have to have a poltergeist um, a second time, I would like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> All I right. I name it Meow Tilda. Oh, because her name's Tilly. Oh, yeah. I like that. Oh. Wait, so he gets congratulated. <laughs> I, see, what, yeah. I see how what, it is. What, your cart full of ants? No, oh, Tabitha. Feet and, like, Tabitha. Tabitha. It would have been fine, but then you followed up with your joke yeah. about that. Yeah, that's true. You are ankling for a joke. Oh, <laughs> man. We almost liked Gotta you. Gotta hand it to Ray for that uh. one. Oh, you really put your foot in your mouth, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you risked it all. Oh, gosh. Okay, we need to end this madness. Oh, boy. All right, so next episode will be the Gettysburg Hotel, the Gettysburg Orphanage, Gettysburg College, and your friend. I hope so. Yeah. It it's going to be a long episode, but it'll be yes. fun. Yes. All yes. right. Maybe it'll be a two-parter. We'll see. Yeah. It could. Oh, yeah, episode four go. is going to be two-parters yeah. with all the different places. So thank you for making me the most listened to of all of our podcasts. Listen for us on Liminal Unlimited for the Skinwalker Ranch episode. Super exciting. And look out for a Zoom interview with Kevin Paul, my best friend, soon. And without further ado, Ray, take it away. Take us home. Okay. I have a quote here, and it goes like this. <laughs> Too bad's a serious quote, right? I know. I, I should have thought that one through. You uh, can just edit that. No, no, it's going to stay in there. The spectral soldier was at his side like a stalking reproach. The man's eyes were still fixed in a stare into the unknown. His gray, appalling face had attracted attention in the crowd, and men, slowing to his dreary pace, were walking with him. They were discussing his plight, questioning him, and giving him advice. In a dogged way, he repelled them, signing to them to go on and leave him alone. The shadows of his face were deepening, and his tight lips seemed holding in check the moan of great despair. There could be seen a certain stiffness in the movements of his body, as if he were taking infinite care not to arouse the passion of his wounds. And he went on... He seemed always looking for a place, like one who goes to choose a grave. Stephen Crane, The Red Badge of Courage. 